Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. So if you think of something like the evaluability heuristic, yeah? So in other words, the way that we evaluate things. And again, people will know that a heuristic is a shortcut. It's a shortcut for decision-making. So are we are we born with those heuristics or do we learn those heuristics? I'm sorry if I'm hijacking your, your <laughs> what you were explaining, but doesn't that then uh, depend I, upon... I have a memory of how these podcasts go <laughs> in the past, Colin, and you, you knew could, what to expect. You could see the pattern, couldn't you? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a very clear pattern. <laughs> so if you have a very emotional experience, right, if you experience some kind of trauma or if it's, you know, surprising or then sometimes your long-term memory will say, well, clearly that, that's something we got to hold on to. So, Ryan, back in my memory, mm-hmm. when you and I first started to, to write a, um, our book called The Intuitive Customer, what I really used to enjoy was just sitting down and debating with you about a subject. And, and we did that quite well, didn't we? Yeah, that was fun. It has, to be clear, it has not been fun ever since. <laughs> but I, I remember when it used to be fun. Yeah. So it was fun for those first six months, but the last four years have been a bit of a write-off. Is that absolute torture? Me? Yeah. <laughs> no, that was that was always enjoyable. I enjoyed just kind of kicking around these ideas and seeing where we would go. Yeah. So so why do I tell all of our listeners about that? Well. We have decided that we are going to do a like a mini series. Maybe we're getting a bit like Netflix, <laughs> and uh, we're going to do a bit of a, a mini series. And we are going to do a few shows on memory, okay? Because memory is, I find, just fascinating. As you know, I know mm-hmm. you're getting very bored with me talking about this, aren't you, Ryan? I mean, I already said it was torture. I don't know how much farther <laughs> down we can go than that. Like, it's just good. Well, your memory of this podcast will be that it's torture. So, <laughs> uh, no, that there's so much to say about memory. You and I talked about doing another podcast on memory and kind of talking through the ideas, and, and you said, nope, too much to cover in one episode. So uh, here we are. So, and we're going to take it slowly. And one of the reasons that we're going to take it slowly is I just think it's so profound. Yeah. Okay. I think it's just one of those things where you, you, as you start to get into it, you start going, wow, I never really thought about it like that before. And therefore, I want to make sure that we are not just skimming over the surface. And hopefully we uh, get some of our listeners to get as interested in this topic as, as I am. So here's a question, Ryan. Okay. What were you doing last Tuesday night? Tuesday. Um, Tuesdays are usually the night where my youngest daughter has ballet lessons. So usually I'm sitting outside of her ballet studio doing work in my car. But last Tuesday was the end of school award ceremony for our middle daughter. So I was instead in a stuffy gymnasium um, listening to the names of lots of kids get read off so that I could hear the name of the one kid that I care about. <laughs> That was my Tuesday. So 
dear audience member, dear listener, think about what were you doing last Tuesday, okay? Think about what did you have for dinner four nights ago, okay? You know, I happen to pick on a time where I guess, Ryan, the interesting bit about your example is you could turn around and say, well, Tuesdays I was normally doing this. Yeah, I know, that's right. I noticed your, that's, this was your sort of go-to reply. But then as you started to think about it and retrieve those memories or try to retrieve what you're doing, you, you realize that you weren't doing that last Tuesday night and you were in the stuffy hall. Am I correct? That's right. Yeah. You could kind of see the whole process work its way through. And and a lot of times that's the way we, and we'll talk more about this, but that's the way we, we actually reconstruct memories as we, we latch onto something. So for me, Tuesday nights, I mean, most weeknights, you know, I'm a boring middle-aged guy with a bunch of kids. Days tend to blur together for me, Colin. You happen to pick one day (laughs) in the week where there's something regular that happens and that I can. And so I started there. Uh, And then, but then I realized, oh, well, actually last Tuesday was unusual. My wife had to take my daughter to ballet so that I could attend this other thing. And a lot of times that's, you know, memories don't necessarily just kind of drop full formed from our brains a lot of times there's this path dependency we need to kind of work our way back through and figure out what happened so to sort of give listeners a bit of a view we're going to be talking about what are the different types of memories that you have okay and how are they how are they formed we're going to be talking about how memories decay we're going to be talking about why do you forget things, okay? And we're obviously going to be putting all of this in the context of two aspects. One is, well, what happens to you personally, but as everyone knows, customers are human beings. So how does this apply in a customer experience space? So over this mini-series of, of memory, we're going to be talking about all, all of those things. But first of all, let, let's take a step back and let's think about why are memories so important? Yeah. And Ryan, do you want to give your, your thoughts about why memory is so important to start off with? Sure. I, I don't want to overstate it. I don't want to say that memories are all of human experience or all of human kind of decision making, all of human psychology. They're, they're not, but they're almost all of it. We are influenced by things that happen immediately. Um, in other words, sometimes we're affected just by the situation around us. In, in almost every other way that we think about trying to understand people, it's mostly memory. Uh, so it's, it's, we mostly are kind of living in the past where we, we remember previous experiences, we remember previous relationships, we remember previous emotions, and those are the things that are guiding us now as we look forward. So understanding memory is really key to understanding almost everything. And even when we talk about being influenced in the moment, a lot of times it requires the context of memory for us to understand the cues that are influencing us right now, even from that perspective. And that's the key, isn't it? Because whatever happens to you in the moment is the important aspect is the context in which it's happened and how you have felt about those things and i'm using my the wonderful phrase in the past 
And therefore, when you start even saying in the past, that implies that you're thinking about it, doesn't it? Yeah. Or thinking back to a memory. So the more I've looked into this subject, the more I've realized that memories define us. Yeah. You know, it, they define our very, uh, the actions that we take today because of the memories of what has happened in the past. And those can be, you know, if you think about it from birth, you know, those can be, you know, learnt behaviours or learnt things. And again, we'll, we'll come on and talk about the different types of memories. But just even who you can trust. Yeah. I mean, if you didn't have a memory, you wouldn't know who you could trust. Yeah. You wouldn't know what the role of a policeman is. Again, when you start to think about it, when a baby is born, the baby has a, effectively a blank memory. Yeah. Mind you, that's interesting. I wonder if they do. Um, but <laughs> I mean, we're, we're born with certain instincts. Yeah. Right. And I don't know that we would necessarily call those memory. Everything else, though, is memory-based, right? You you learn it, you develop it over time. So we, we're not a complete blank slate. But yeah, to your point, we're mostly memory. <laughs> yes. So one of the questions for me, mate, and I don't know if you can help me get here or, or get to the answer with this, is made me been thinking as I've been thinking about all this stuff, are biases and heuristics, are they built within us? So in other words, we're born with them. So if you think of something like the evaluability heuristic, yeah? So in mm -hmm. other words, the way that we evaluate things. And again, people will know that a heuristic is a shortcut. It's a shortcut for decision-making. So are we are we born with those heuristics or do we learn those heuristics and then we access them those heuristics through memory automatically now, now there's a big question for you at the beginning of the podcast yeah i know i'm i'm still a little groggy colin i just woke up a little <laughs> not too long I'm, ago we're now going to be this podcast going to last for about seven series you that's know, right by just that's answering right. this one question so you mentioned uh, evaluability and evaluability is the idea that things that are easier to evaluate, we tend to rate as kind of more important in our decisions. That seems to be universal to all people, which suggests that it's not learned, that this, this may just be a function of the way that our minds operate, and that leads to that heuristic and, and to that bias. There are other, lots of others, though, that we learn. So one, one common heuristic is stereotyping where we, we very quickly draw conclusions about people or about situations based on a few surface characteristics. So one that is really well documented is uh, attractiveness. If somebody is physically attractive, you draw all kinds of inferences about them immediately and intuitively. The fact that they you probably assume that they're friendlier, you probably assume that they're more successful, all these kinds of things about them. A lot of those seem to be learned. So we, we seem to, those seem to be memory-based. So as we go throughout society, we're getting uh, all of these cues about, you know, the world around us, and our memory forms those into these kind of rules that we can access very easily. Right. So I think that there's, there's one category that's inborn, there's one category of, of heuristics and biases that are 
memory-based. And then there's a third category, I think, that happened based on the, the situation. So if you think about something like um, extremeness aversion, uh, that's where, where we tend to prefer middle options and not like extreme options as much. That one seems to happen in kind of the absence of the other two. So if we had a real strong preference for something going in, in other words, like a memory-based preference, like I know from the past that I prefer Coke to Pepsi, then it doesn't matter what's in the, the decision set. I'm, I'm going to rely on my memory. I'm going to rely on my, my preformed preference. Right. But if I don't, then I can rely on this heuristic that's based on on kind of this. So the, as a long answer to a short question and, and relevant to what we're talking about today, does memory bias us? Does memory lead to certain specific decision rules or heuristics? Yes, absolutely. And I would dare to say a lot of them. I think that, that memory can bias us in a lot of ways. Yeah, no, absolutely. It made me, as you were talking, think about patterns. Yes. So human beings are very good, aren't they? At aren't they? Sounds like I'm I'm some alien. <laughs> you've you've met humans before, Colin. Anything that you don't like. <laughs> so we humans are are good at pattern recognition, aren't we? I think that there's a, a famous quote from Daniel Kahneman, who won a Nobel Prize for economics, um, kind of developing the field of behavioral economics. And he, I, th- I think I'm, I'm remembering this correctly, where he called human human beings like pattern recognition machines. It's like yeah. it's th- one of the primary things that we do is is look for patterns and things. In fact, he he t- he told in the context of the story, developing some software for an experiment where it would create random images on a screen, so just kind of light up random pixels. And he said as he was testing the software before he ran the experiment, he started noticing patterns in it. And he had to stop himself and say, no, I know that I created this so that there are no patterns in it. Like, stop it, brain. There's nothing there. Because we do it so naturally. Yes. Training your frontline team on how to create memories in your customers by evoking their emotions. Beyond Philosophy's unique and proven training methodology, Memory Maker Training. Contact Beyond Philosophy by going to beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. And when you think about that, though, I mean, again, and if you start to think about this sort of in a customer experience context, you do recognize patterns in behavior and go, ah, yeah, because of that, that's likely to happen next. Or this is the, the, the type of organization where you contact, I'm trying to think of an example now, but that you contact them and uh, maybe a good example is, is I find it, I'm not sure you do as well, but just some organizations you go, yeah, this is one of those organizations that are going to try to give me the hard sell. Yeah. You pick up the pattern of, hey, we want our person to come around to your house and see you. Yep. And you think, yeah. Okay, well, I, I know from, I was just about to say history, which again is obviously memory. When that happens, th- th- you know, this is going to happen. And I guess it, it's recognizing that pattern, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, talk about a memory-based heuristic or memory-based conclusion. There's no innate, well, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hesitate on that as well. I do think that we have kind of inborn 
senses where where sometimes you know we might distrust someone that's not necessarily based on learned behavior right so yeah you can think even very young children babies there, there'll be things that people can do that will make the the child uneasy where they may have never encountered that behavior before so I, I i do think that we do have some innate senses that can influence us in that way but a lot of it is learned right we, we've been in these hard cell situations before and they've been uncomfortable and unpleasant and so we start to develop rules or a sense for when we're finding ourselves in those behaviors again and they're memory based and a lot of our memory as we'll talk about is based on kind of pattern recognition and correlation and so when when we start to see these things again we're like ah that these behaviors are associated with this thing that i don't like and therefore it's time for me to react in a certain way i'm gonna put up my guards or i'm gonna leave the situation all those kinds of things and if you think about those from a customer experience perspective, and again, from a memory perspective of customer experience, it's remembering which brands that you like. Yes. Remembering what food you like from a, you know, when you're in a restaurant, remembering the price of something and being able to compare it, you know. So as soon as you turn around and say, oh, that seems expensive. Right you know, or you have that gut reaction that's based upon your memory. Basically. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you mentioned remembering which brands you like, even just remembering brands, just like knowing what a brand means. When I define brands for my students, I say, you can think about a brand from the company's perspective. And that's now a set of brand characteristics. It's our, our color, it's our logo, it's our character. Those are all elements of the brand. But from the customer's perspective, a brand, and this is what I teach my students, a brand is just a memory structure in the minds of your customers. It's what are all of the, the thoughts and feelings associated with the idea of your offering. And so from that perspective, I think brands are just sets of memories. So yes. brand management yes. is just managing memories. Yes. And think about the effort that goes into the management of the brand. Yeah. Think about the money that is spent in promoting the brand, you know, all the TV advertising and everything else, you know, the brand association and various different things like that, the product placement, the PR that goes around it. And then think about how much time and effort spent on customer experience. And it's the difference between, and my memory tells me that Americans won't understand this, but it's the difference between chalk and cheese. Which yeah, no, that's means- nonsense. And <laughs> I, I know you don't associate with human beings very often, Colin. But uh... yes, chalk and cheese. For those of you that don't know, basically means that it's like two opposites, two complete opposites. Imagine having a chalk sandwich. That would be nice. Well, chalk my understanding, onion. chalk and cheese are the two primary ingredients in British cuisine. Am I, is that not correct? <laughs> no. Okay. No, I don't think so. <laughs> And again, let me just, just from a customer experience perspective, for your customer to be able to say that was a good experience or that was a bad experience means they are retrieving memories of other experiences with you or with other people or or in other similar situations. So it could be contact in a contact center to deal with an insurance company. They've dealt with insurance companies and contact centers before, 
and now we are looking at both of those instances. So if you start to, and again, I find this fascinating. If you start to think about it, customer expectations are born from memory. And I think that's really significant. I agree. So, you know, we bang on about meeting customers' expectations, meeting or exceeding customers' expectations, whatever it may be. But that's all from a memory that has been built up. So the issue becomes, for me, that's fundamentally important, is how our memory is formed, okay? And this is the path that um, I've been boring Ryan on for bloody ages, basically. I'd like you, let's, we're gonna try a little experiment. I would like you, dear listener, to think about and remember Batman, okay? So just remember Batman, uh, and we'll come back to it. So Ryan, what is actually happening? How do we, how do we remember things? Sure. So let, let's talk first about how memories exist in our minds, and then we'll dig into some of the the specifics about the types of memory. But the memories do not exist in isolation. So when we think about like various facts that we can retrieve or, or various like experiences that we've had in the past, we can think of them discreetly. We can think of them individually, right? And I know that the, the Declaration of Independence of the United States was written in 1776. That's, that feels like a, an isolated memory, that fact that I remember. But the reality is that's not how our memories work at all. Our memories exist in a network structure, which means that Anything that is a memory is connected to a bunch of other things that are memories. So any fact that you remember is going to be associated with, you know, experiences that are related to that fact, perhaps emotions that have been related to that and to the experiences. And so you can think of it as this kind of branching connections of these various memories that are all kind of tied up. Uh, with one another. So let me just stop you there, if I may, Ryan. I just want people to think about, can you remember the word I asked you to remember a few minutes ago? Yeah. Now, hopefully, a number of you will will remember that it was Batman. And a number of you will also think to yourself, oh, yeah, it was Batman. Yeah. But I guess the interesting part here again, Ryan, isn't it? There is, as you're talking about this, there is short-term memory and long-term memory, isn't there? Yes. So do, do you want to build that into what you're describing here? Because I think that that also is an important aspect. So there, there are various ways that you know, memory's been described and, and is structured. Uh, one of them is uh, short-term and long-term memory. So we seem to have, and short-term memory is sometimes also called working memory. You can think about it as this is what's on the desk in front of you, and you can kind of manipulate it, and it's immediately available to you. You can also, if you decide that it's important or if it's uh, been used long enough or often enough, you've got a a series of file cabinets behind you. So you can take it out of uh, working memory, take it off of your desk and put it into the the file cabinet. The the memory structure that we're talking about when we talk about these memory nodes, those are long-term memory. And so short-term memory can often be discarded and leave very little trace behind. So you can take something off your desk and, and throw it away. And it may, you may not ever have access to it again once it's gone. I was thinking about that in, in the context of, 
Yesterday, I was going on to try to get onto a website. It didn't allow me. They then sent me a passcode. I then had to remember the six-digit passcode to stick into the app to verify it. Okay. If you ask me now what the six-digit passcode is, I wouldn't be able to tell you. The interesting part for me is about the fact that you can, as you say, open this filing cabinet and you can remember that aspect of, of it for... I don't know, I think they say 30 seconds or something like that. But then it depends upon, doesn't it, how, I'm sorry if I'm hijacking your, your <laughs> what you were explaining, but doesn't that then uh, depend I, upon... I have a memory of how these podcasts go <laughs> in the past, Colin, and you knew what to expect. You could see the pattern, couldn't you? Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a very clear pattern. <laughs> no, this is great, keep going. You got that sort of memory, which you're now discarding and you can and you know unless you repeat it so it it go that goes sort of into well how do you turn something from a short-term memory into the long-term memory and therefore into the nodes that you've got otherwise you're just remembering that passcode for a few minutes or another example is I was buying the other day I was buying some electrical sockets we're having part of the house redecorated and I was buying some electrical sockets and I was remembering some aspects of the electrical sockets to, to compare them with others. But then I, once I made a decision, I discarded that and I can't even remember what the bloody things I was comparing was now. So that, again, from a customer experience is where that whole aspect of memory comes in, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. So some stuff moves into these these nodes automatically. So if you have a very emotional experience right if you experience some kind of trauma or if it's you know surprising or then sometimes your long-term memory will say well clearly that, that's something we got to hold on to so sometimes it happens automatically uh, for a lot of stuff if we want it to be stored in long-term memory then that requires effort and repetition we need to yeah. keep repeating it until it goes right you can't remember you may not even remember any of those six digits from yesterday. But there are other strings of six or seven digits that you can remember, right? You might remember your phone number from when you were a child. And that's because you repeated those digits over and over again and and like, you know, kept them in context. I I can remember. There you go. That used to be my my house number. Anybody rings it now, I'm not living there anymore. I can do you one better. I could order a pizza from Pizza Hut in Cleveland right now, <laughs> if I needed to. The, the delivery just may take a bit of time. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that because when I was a child, there was a commercial for Pizza Hut and they set it to music. And we'll talk about this later, but music helps facilitate memory. They set their phone number to music. And I, it was repeated for years throughout my childhood as I would watch these commercials. And it's stuck in there, and I'm not happy about it, but there there it is. I know the phone yeah. number for, for pizza. We can shift it from short-term to long-term memory, and that there are advantages and disadvantages to that. Long-term memory is, is not as immediately available to us. That's why we have this kind of working desktop of memory that we can play around with. But it, it is, you know, it's not always easy to retrieve, right? We talked about what I did last Tuesday, and I had to kind of reconstruct that. So there were elements of that that were in long-term memory, but it, it required me making those connections more forcibly.
So all this stuff for me about memory is is absolutely fascinating. What I don't want to do is I, I, I don't want to create a new pattern for people remembering that our podcast goes on forever and ever. Uh, we always try to keep it to half an hour. But there is so much more to talk about. And probably one of the most important things that Ryan has taught me was about fishing nets. Okay. But we don't have time to go into it today. We're going to lead off with that in our next podcast next week. So I really hope you can dial into that. We're also going to be talking about next week about the different types of memories. We're going to talk a bit about how you can help store memories, how you can retrieve memories, how why we forget about things. Okay. And then finally, we're going to talk about, we're going to do our usual sort of so what, which is, so all this stuff is really fascinating from an intellectual perspective, but what in the hell does that mean from a customer experience perspective? So Ryan, recognizing the pattern of me talking too much, anything else you want to jump in and say at the end here? Uh, no. <laughs> Bro, that was okay. disappointing, wasn't it? Um, let me try again. Uh, so we'll take, I love uh, that. Anything, <laughs> anything that... Uh, no, no, I, I think you covered it. Uh, no, great. That's it. Good. Okay, so I've got a pattern here, which is never surprise Ryan with a question like that at the end, <laughs> because he thinks I'm just going to rattle on for hours. <laughs> and he's probably having a snooze, and I just woke him up. <laughs> <laughs> You have your method, I have mine, Colin. I feel attacked right now. Okay, so please dial in next week and we're going to continue talking about uh, memories and why they're so important and uh, moreover, how you can make the most of them in your customer experience. Talk to you next week. Cheers. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcasts. We look forward to talking with you next time on The Intuitive Customer. Intuitive Customer.